Welcome to All Things Photonics, a podcast about the physical science of light driving scientific innovation in the 21st century. I'm Joel Williams, Associate Editor at Photonics Media. Join us as we explore the latest trends in optics, lasers, microscopy, and spectroscopy. Each episode, you'll hear from leading voices from across the photonics landscape, brought to you by Photonics Media. Jack of all trades is a term that's often used to describe handymen and folks who have held jobs in a variety of industries. Master of none, the second half of the phrase, is heard less often, usually used self-deprecatingly by those who have taken up a variety of hobbies. The term, whether whole or halved, typically describes a generalist, someone whose ability in a variety of fields is serviceable, though perhaps not exceptional. For that reason, the phrase is a poor fit to describe the guests you'll hear on this podcast. Certainly not the second half in any case. Much of what makes our guest today on All Things Photonics exceptional is his mastery of many, measured by his contributions to a range of topics and technologies in biophotonics that are both far-reaching and widely felt. While biomedical optics offers its brightest thinkers innumerable opportunities to innovate, few have pursued the field with the depth and diversity of focus of Brian Pogue, who currently serves as professor and chair of the Department of Medical Physics at the University of Wisconsin and the McLean Professor of Engineering at Dartmouth College. From the platform of research and the vantage point of industry, Pogue has applied light-based science to some of medicine's foremost challenges. They include the development of cancer therapies, tissue measurement, and small object detection. Successes in these areas have helped to distinguish our guest as a frontline contributor behind advances in tomography, photodynamic therapy, fluorescence imaging, Shrankov light imaging, and much, much more. Another distinguisher for Pogue has been a focus on the optical technology, as opposed to the clinical advances that they have enabled. In our interview, Pogue discusses his role as editor-in-chief of the journal Biomedical Optics. The optical technology is at the fore, Pogue says, because if the technology is successful, it is then ready to permeate out into the appropriate subdiscipline of medicine. We could hardly ask for a better fit for our episode this week as Photonics Media prepares to host the Biophotonics Conference. With 39 sessions available online, the conference spotlights the latest innovations in microscopy, spectroscopy, OCT, photoacoustic imaging, flow cytometry, biomedical imaging, and medical laser systems. The free online event runs October 25th through the 27th. Info is available at photonics.com and at events.photonics.com. As with so much of what we do at Photonics Media, our conversation with Brian Pogue begins in optics, as he and news editor Jake Saltzman explore Pogue's entrance into the field of biomedicine. That interview is next. My history prior to my PhD was in optics. I'd done laser work, and so... I transitioned to medical physics specifically to get more into medicine because I just couldn't understand why I was researching what I was doing without a little more purpose behind it. And so for me, you know, everybody has to find that for themselves. But for me, medicine was kind of more purposeful. And so I specifically got in that direction, but but with an optics focus. And so we worked on spectroscopy devices and imaging approaches to image bulk tissue with optics. This isn't a pun or, or a wordplay, but how long did it take for you to sort of focus that interest? Because that is, you know, people spend their whole professional lives deciding what they want to do um, and may not get there. Did it take you a long time to focus that interest or, or was that sort of an immediate draw for you, combining optics and medicine? 
Uh, it was kind of, it was a natural progression, I guess I would say. But, you know, I mean, since then, I've realized that the world of biomedical optics is enormous, you know, really, you know, I, I firmly, they have written papers on this. I firmly believe it's the largest technology sector in all of medicine today is optics. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to find a career in biomedical optics, I would say. One of the distinguishers for you of your pursuits in optics and photonics and in medicine as well is that you've been incredibly technically diverse, technologically diverse, and you're just as apt to talk about fluorescence imaging as you are um, laser speckle contrast imaging. I'm just sort of moving the conversation along by saying that, but it's true. Can you speak to your motivation to pursue research in not just one area of technology, but many? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's a little artifact of my personality. Maybe it's attention deficit disorder. I don't know. But uh, I have pivoted in many different directions and run uh, multiple parallel programs at a time. Uh, you know, the field of biomedical optics, again, is huge. And so it, there's lots of things to work on. And in the academic space, you always have to be doing something that's unique. And so I've really sought research areas where I felt like I could contribute something useful and really discover something that would eventually make it to a product or a device or that would be used in the clinic. And so that's caused me to pivot, I would say, probably every four or five years to something slightly different. I think that's a natural progression of research. I used to think I was crazy, but I, I, th I hope now it's just an, a, a curious mind looking for something interesting to do, but also be wanting to contribute in a way that's meaningful. Just for context, right? The one area I've never worked in is microscopy, right? And, and, and when you talk about biomedical optics, most people actually think of microscopy, right? But in fact, the, the field of optics is enormous in the clinical aspect of measurement of tissue, you know, from pulse oximetry to colonoscopy, to just colonoscopy itself, has an economic footprint that is larger than all of radiology combined, you know? So if you think about that, the number of scopes produced is huge, right? So there's a, there's a lot of impact. I, I think I am driven mostly by trying to take basic optical devices and trying to make them more molecular specific. To me, that's been, I would say, a common driving factor throughout a lot of my research is getting away from structural imaging in getting more to molecular specificity. For all our guests, but for those operating in biophotonics in particular, the question, what motivates you, can be a powerful segue into an anecdote or an early career-defining moment. In other cases, that simple question can lead to an important understanding about the many ways in which success is measured. In our interview, the question brings us to the relationship between industry and medical research. A laboratory breakthrough cannot achieve its maximum impact if it cannot be widely distributed and marketed as a product. That, of course, raises a very pertinent rhetorical question. Who, if not one in the medical world, makes a better candidate to develop such a product? Yeah, I think most researchers, what drives them, what allows them to operate is creativity, right? You've got to have an original idea to get a grant funded and to publish papers. And so it's, it's about creativity. What drives the products is uh, reliability and function, right? And and so they're very different motivations. And and as you've said, I mean, there are very different things. So, but they do intersect. And you know, if if somebody really makes something that they want it to be useful, it's got to make it to a product. And so I, you know, throughout my career, I've always 
worked with industry uh, at various levels, sometimes collaborating on existing products, uh, sometimes evaluating new products, sometimes translating ideas into a product through startup companies. And I think all of those interactions are necessary. You know, I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal Biomedical Optics. And, you know, in that capacity, I see all kinds of optics devices being invented and tested in medicine. And it, it, I would say the medical world benefits enormously by the productization that has happened in the optics space. You know, the miniature, miniaturization, productization of even smaller and smaller components has just made things possible in medicine that couldn't be without it. Pogue's own experience in the industry includes his co-founding of the company Dose Optics, which focuses on radiation therapy and the visualization of radiation therapy directly on the patient to improve treatment outcomes. Pogue is president of the company and, as he mentions, has embraced consultancy and advisory roles in the commercial sector. As we continue to prod the relationship between the medical world, which for our purposes includes academia and industry, we next begin to explore what we mentioned a moment ago, how success is measured when two very separate dynamics must come together to achieve maximum impact. Different people have different skill sets and motivations, but I think you have to find that connectivity to make it work. If you really believe in what you're doing, you want it to translate into a product or a, or a device or a, or a procedure. And the only way to do that is through industry. Is that sort of the, the most commonly used gauge of success in, in biomedicine? Is it productization or are there, are there clinical, um, clinical rather, you know, boxes that you can check that indicate success? For you, what is the sort of um, top of the mountain in that regard? The success is multi-tiered, right? Discovery is success in academics. So whoever discovers something nobody's ever heard of is a success. Invention is a success. Those in the academic space, that's the pinnacle of success, discovering invention. But that's not the pinnacle of success in industry, right? The pinnacle of success is making a product that, you know, is useful and saves lives or helps treat or diagnose disease. Those are not incompatible. It's just they're different motivations and different measures of success. Both can exist and both should exist in a translational research program. I, I firmly believe, and that's actually what drives me, why I wound up doing what I'm doing today, which is chairing a department, because I truly believe that invention and discovery can coexist with translation and productization. Is there a conflict there? I, I suppose it's only natural when um, you have people working really hard in both areas. I mean, is that something that you've come across in your career, the, the sort of intersection where it isn't always so friendly between the two? It can be. It's got to be managed. You know, you have to manage your conflict of interest, you know, and uh, th but those things can be managed. You know, the best advice I ever heard was uh, uh, somebody who said, you know, just think about people, space and money. And there's a wall there and just make sure that the people, space and money for the two different entities are on one side or the other. Or you can talk about and publicly declare how you're managing that. And I think as long as you're honest and you do that, you can. Sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes you just get a little muddled up, but you got to fix it right away so that you don't get into conflict of interest trouble. I mentioned that you have experience, considerable experience in both R&D research and, um, and also 
commercialization, we'll call it industry for the purposes of this next question. I want to talk about Dose Optics. Tell us about the company and, and what its technology is poised to accomplish. Yeah, so this is a good example. I mean, we discovered a technique to image Cherenkov light from patients undergoing radiation therapy, and that was at the level of you know of single photons. So we have cameras that image single photon emission from patients, but create video rate images of the radiation therapy as it happens. And so we uh, realized that we had a technique and a patent and to of how to image radiation dose for the first time in the world, right? And so we founded a company, Dose Optics, with some colleagues. And, you know, we're about eight years in now. And finally, through a lot of fundraising and productization, that company is now producing cameras that are for sale and being installed in radiation therapy departments to image the treatment as it happens. And so that's been a, a fantastic ride to see it go from a basic idea to a complete productization and, and marketing and sales. I want to pivot and talk about cancer research. A lot of your work and many of your achievements in cancer research specifically would qualify as advances in therapies and treatment. Um, but cancer research is, is much broader than diagnostics, genetics, epidemiology. How is the cancer research ecosystem evolving or changing? And the second part of that is what's the role of optics and photonics within that ecosystem? Yeah, great question. You know, I mean, it just grows and grows, right? Cancer is not one disease. Cancer is uh, uh, hundreds of diseases. And so uh, getting to solve the most complicated cancers is very, very hard. And, and so people are looking at metabolic ways to sense and treat. People are looking at immunologic ways to sense and treat. People are looking at uh, genetic ways to sense and treat disease. And, and so, you know, the, it just, I would just say the diversity and the approaches to that treatment or to cancer research and treatment are just growing, growing. Optics is at the heart of it because optics is, has molecular level sensitivity and the range of spectroscopic polarization techniques that optics can bring to the table is far beyond any other radiation source. And so, it's inevitable that optics will play a central, probably the technologically central role through all of cancer research in the devices that are produced, the diagnostic systems. We often think of radiology or x-ray imaging or MRI or ultrasound as like the key tool. But in fact, you know, the biggest tool, again, the single big, largest tool that's used for cancer screening today is colonoscopy. And that every one of us gets a colonoscopy over the age of 40 or 50 every five years. So optics, again, plays a the core role in that. In looking at Pogue's own personal motivations, it is a useful exercise to take a look at the array of distinct technology areas in which he has worked. His Dartmouth Engineering online profile, for example, cites research projects in the area of scintillation dosimetry for quality assurance in radiotherapy and in optical molecular imaging. The same page will direct you to his work in laser-based diagnostics and optical diffusion modeling software. That level of diversity of pursuits points to a set of motivations that has evolved over the course of a career. For me, the driver is to make devices that will be able to diagnose or treat the incurable diseases today. You know, there's lots and lots of diseases we can treat and treat very well. Breast cancer is a great example. You know, it's a very treatable disease. 
if caught early. You know, what we focus on are treating the incurable diseases like pancreatic cancer, brain tumors. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about how optical devices can help with those particular cancers or help with earlier diagnosis. I I think that's the spaces that I think about the most. There's obviously others like remote monitoring and wearables and things like that, where optics plays an enormous role as well. Editor-in-chief of biomedical optics is many things, but fun, I think, probably is fair to say, too. You get to uh, familiarize yourself and learn quite a bit in addition to your editorial oversight. In your time as in that position, has that changed at all? What, what is being submitted? What is being published? Are you noticing any trends that are really sort of frontline now that weren't maybe two, three years ago or going back to even the start of the pandemic? Well, you know, I would say uh, before I answer that, the one thing I've tried to do at the journal is make sure that we focus on uh, cutting edge technologies and not necessarily the disease. You know, the, 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 we, we should be applying cutting edge technologies to, for medical purpose, but what we've tried to do is be at the cutting edge, if you will, or the leading edge of the technology. And then when somebody's successful, say making a new OCT device to diagnose eye disease, it should be published in a medical journal. And so we've tended to see, I would say a little more tech focus and a little bit intentionally, a little bit less medical focus because if something's successful, it should permeate out into that subdiscipline of medicine. That, that's the one thing that I've induced, I would say, at the journal or forced along. But in terms of what have trends have I seen, there's always trends. You know, OCT had a, there was a big wave of OCT for many years. And, and I think that is still there, but it's, you know, I mean, I think it's found many of its niches. There was a big wave of photoacoustics for a while. And again, that's still there, but I think it's found its niche areas. There's a big wave of molecular sensing and tissue, I think is still going on. It's a little, it's very hard to predict what's the biggest wave when you're in the sea. Yeah, yeah. it is not a fair question, which is in many ways the reason we asked it. Let's pivot again, though. Let's talk about standards. It's not a topic we talk about a lot in the biomedical space, maybe a bit with, with biometrology, but, but much more for things like semiconductor manufacturing, which is certainly a pertinent topic now. We're also seeing pushes towards standardization in disciplines that have tangential implications for medicine. Uh, diffuse optics is the one that comes to mind. There have been papers and, and working groups um, in that area. Beyond the immediate term benefits of standards, how do they help move the technology forward? Great question. So, um, you know, standards have always been used in medicine, right? So, uh, because once you start producing a device and distributing it to other people, you realize you need to make sure it's still doing what you expect it to do or that it's still being operated safely. And so, some kind of standards, well, in fact, if we're producing anything under good manufacturing practice, you need standards to, to verify function and utility. So we, I think just like all of the industry needs standards, and those standards come in different levels. One is the very basic thing is, is it measuring, is it performing the way you think it should perform? Is it measuring what you should measure? But as you get into that, you know, you need more tissue-specific standards, for example, or uh, what we sometimes call anthropomorphic uh, features. So it mimics the tissue or the the medical environment. So there's lots of levels of standards needed. You know, very basic one is to say you're doing a multi-center trial. 
and you have five different sites, you need to verify that all five of those sites are using the instrument the same way and getting reasonable comparable data. Otherwise, when you try to combine those data sets, you'll get gibberish. So standards are a great example of how you can help make multi-center trials work. I'll put you on the spot. Speaking just in in biomedical optics or just in your areas of of practice, your pursuits, how evolved is this this world of standards? Is there a lot of progress to be made? Have we made a lot of progress? Is it on the cusp of getting better? You know, it's evolved. I would just say it's evolving, right? As scientists, we think that we should all have standards, right? But if you go to industry, look, the industry is just worried about not going bankrupt, right? And so they will make standards as much as they need to, but not anymore because they just want, they need to sell their product to make it financially viable. So I would say industry doesn't overly push standards, but the FDA, for example, that regulates them requires that they have some kind of standards to, you know, to show that their GMP production facility is is working. So there's a, I would say, a healthy tension and an ongoing evolution of standards. I feel like they can always be better. You know, we, we basically can always have more standards, but at the same time, you need to get products out and they need to be financially viable. So you can't overdo it. But if you underdo it, then you have products that are unreliable and clinical practice that is not really sustainable. So that's the tricky balance is you need to make sure that you're getting useful data. Otherwise, you've done a major disservice to the field of medicine. Pogue is more equipped than most to offer insight into the direction of biomedicine. As editor-in-chief of Biomedical Optics and via his own endeavors, he has witnessed to much of the innovation that will undoubtedly define the next era of biomedical progress. His forecast, as we expected it might, places optics and photonics at the heart of forthcoming innovation. I think it's things like treating cancer like a multiple component disease, you know, so, you know, we treat somebody gets uh, lung cancer, they get a chemo and radiation. But in fact, that cancer could have multiple nodules to it, some of which, of course, respond, some which don't. And so uh, spatial genomics, I think, is a major area of growth. Uh, Metabolomic features or metabolism features of cancer is becoming more and more investigated and, you know, not well understood, but the the immune infiltration and the sort of the fact that treatments can be immunosuppressive or immunoactive, you know, so there's a temporal dynamic to how cancer responds. All of those, I think, are very hot topics where optics plays a leading role in answering some of those questions, either as tools or as diagnostic therapeutic approaches. That concludes this week's episode of All Things Photonics. Thank you to our engineer, Alan Shepard, and to our news editor, Jake Saltzman, as well as to this week's sponsors. Our featured music is courtesy of betterwithmusic.com. Most of all, thank you, our listeners. As always, you can share your thoughts, pitch us ideas, and let us know how we're doing. You can reach us at allthingsphotonics.com. All Things Photonics is available on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website, photonics.com.